Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome to another session of Global Answers. For those of you that were with us last week, we have a special guest here with us this week, which is Brother Michael Oltig, pastor of a church down in South Carolina. And we were last week we were going into his personal testimony of becoming from atheism uh, into uh, being a believing Christian, and of course now a pastor of a church. And the, the, where we ended last session was we were talking about how that there was a hunger developed in his heart once he gave his life to the Lord to feed on the Word of God and what a transforming power it had in his life, so much so that the foreman of the plant where he worked, who had been a Christian 10 years, said that in his 30 days, he was putting him to shame because more people were aware of Christianity through his 30 days of being a Christian than this other man's 10-year life, but because of one major thing, he was feeding on the Word of God daily. And so this feeding on the Word of God, there is a transforming power in the Word of God. So, Brother Michael, as we get into this subject of the Word of God, can you tell me a little bit about what you found in there, why you could feel this is truth, mm. and maybe it's, uh, well, every testimony is individual, and what was truth, and then what is the ongoing testimony of God that the Bible is the Word of God and truth? Well, when I became a, a Christian, which you don't really, we use words and phrases, but there was a transformation in my life and you're not always aware of it because you're not making the commitment yourself that it's God drawing you to himself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I became so, so hungry for the word. And, uh, we started going to church as I'd said, we just lived for services and, and, uh, I began to look into brother Branham's, uh, sermons and messages that had been recorded and printed. And of course I didn't have anything to, I didn't have anything, any um, theology to base or to reason whether this was truth or not. And it may sound strange, but I knew the Bible, being a Christian and raised in the country that we're in, that Christianity is a common faith in our society. And I believed that this was, was God's Word. And uh, as I began to read the message, uh, I don't know how to explain it other than when I, 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 could, I could use the word common sense, but we know that's not what it is. But when I began to read that message and compare it to the scriptures, I said, you know, this is just truth. It was so simple. It was so, to me, basic. It was so real. And I, I just knew, I said, this is truth. And it made this Bible, instead of being a religious book, it began to open up world events. I found it, that it was a living Bible to me. Let me pause just uh -huh. here just a moment. I want to talk to the audience just a moment. When he talked about getting into the message of William Branham and how it opened up the Bible to him, that's, that's been one of the primary thrusts of our program in speaking to you, that God has sent a voice in this last days that, is, that the very purpose of which is to make Jesus Christ real through the demonstration that came in his life, which we've shown you many uh, different segments of his life, and then also to make the Bible real by taking the difficult things that were literally, the Bible said, sealed to the time of the end, but we're at the time of the end and then now opening these things, and we've just marveled how that God has hidden himself 
in such simplicity and turned right around and revealed himself in such simplicity that when you're looking into the deep, deep things like a theologian might with the Hebrew and the Greek and the breakdown of the words, that he's not found there. That, that's all good, that study, and that's nice, but he's really not found there. He's found by personal teaching by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has to move on the word. So as we get into the word, into the Bible, then the Spirit has a basis to work on to quicken that word to us, not only just bring it alive in our lives, but open it more and more to you as line upon line, as Isaiah said, precept upon precept, God begins to pour not only his understanding into you, but the very life of the word starts coming into the Christian. If you're feeding on what we call the message or uh, Peter called present truth, or as 1 John says, walking in the light as he is in the light. All of those things tell us that there is a manna that has fallen for this day. It's not the manna of another age. It's, a, it's the word of God for this age. And in the strictest sense, back to the old corn of the land for you Bible students that understand that. So I wanted to interject that, that this is what Brother Michael's testifying is taking place in his life. And we're anxious for you to write to us and tell us about, hey, it's happening in my life too. Right. Amen. Go ahead, Brother Michael. Well, one thing that I, I noticed that in my life, looking back now and, and from many people that have come into Christianity or even into the message of the hour, that many people were attracted by the gifts that was in Brother Branham's life. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, there was uh, three particular pulls in his life, but, but in my life, I, those things, I never really looked at the prayer lines that much, even though that I had experienced the power of God and gifts of the Spirit, the thing that was very impressive in my life was the word itself mm -hmm. because it was just so true and so real. Mm -hmm. And uh, something within myself said, this is truth. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find where it was contradictory in the Bible. I didn't have to take old theology and try to eradicate it or rearrange it because mm -hmm. I had nothing to rearrange. Mm -hmm. That's a but good thing. After it? I was in the message, probably three or four months, uh, I was shown a, a video of Brother Branham, and it was called uh, Deep Calleth to the Deep. Mm -hmm. And in there, as I was watching it, uh, I had been in Pentecost a little bit. I'd seen Oral Roberts and different things on TV when I was in the world. And, uh, and, uh, and, but when I was watching Brother Branham, it just seemed like, to me, he was so sincere. Mm -hmm. and, and so, uh, how should I say uh, in one sense, calm, peaceful, in control. And this little girl comes up to him in the, in, the, uh, in the film, in the prayer line, and she has leukemia. And I was so, I was so touched because he was touched by this girl's life. Mm -hmm. And he just began to embrace her and simply to pray for her. And God delivered her from that leukemia. Mm -hmm. And in Pentecost, I noticed it was a lot of noise, a lot of physical shaking and laying on of hands. But this man seemed to be so in control mm -hmm. that he, could I say, he knew who he was, he knew his position. And that it wasn't him, but it was God on the scene uh, because he is the healer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, my, as I watched him pray for the different ones, I said, you know, if there was ever a man in my, my personal mind's image of Christ, I said, if there ever was a man that would remind me of the demeanor or the, the nature of Christ would be this man. Mm -hmm. No hollering, 
no yelling, mm -hmm. no commanding the devil, and, and just no showmanship. He just, he just yeah. knew that if a man was was in unity with God and was praying, that God was there to answer prayer. It wasn't him going to throw the devil out right. or scare him. Yeah, it was yeah. God's word through the blood and and through the atonement mm -hmm. and through the faith of a of a man, whether minister the the least of, of our people, uh, God has no big eyes and little use. Right. And I thought that, but it was not those things that brought me to the message. It was the word itself. Mm -hmm. And and I believe above all those things, the word is the only anchor in a man's heart. When you come to those thin places in the in the ice, or if you come to those deep rivers, it's going to be that revelation, or you're going to have to have some other experience to get you through. But it's the word that will take you through every disaster in your life. And, and as I began to, to grow in, 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 Christ, in my Christian life and began to move into my ministry, I began to see there were so many books in the world. Uh, Islam has the Quran, and, and then they have the Book of Moroni, and then there's, there's uh, Buddha, and then there's oh so many religions, and everybody has a book. Because we have to have something uh, to base our faith upon. Mm -hmm. Islam bases it upon the, the revelations of, of Muhammad and, and those that uh, are the revelations of, uh, of Buddha. Everybody has a founder. Christianity doesn't have a founder. It's a seed. Christ was the seed. Mm -hmm. Most religions, they have a founder, and so they look to that founder's experience and to the things that happened in his life, and they begin to build that religion around that founder. Mm -hmm. True. But we have an empty grave and we don't have a, Christ was not the founder of Christianity. He was the seed of Christianity. That's a good thought. Because Christianity is a life. It's not a religion. All right. There's a religion that covers the life, but it's a life itself. Correct. And so then I began to look into the scriptures and I said, you know, I was reading over in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah the 43rd chapter. And he said, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt, neither shall the flame kindled upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior, and I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight and thou hast been honorable, I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand I am he. 
Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I believe that this Bible is the Word of God. And the Spirit of God is, is the Spirit of prophecy. And this Bible is a prophet. So what vindicates this Bible, he said that God would be his witnesses, that he would scatter them out and over the face of the Israel earth. Israel would be his witnesses. You Israel. said God. Well, Israel would be the witnesses of God. Correct, I'm sorry. correct, yeah. And, and so then they are to bear witness just by Israel's existence today, just by being gathered in the homeland, they are a witness that this book is the prophetical, vindicated word of God. There has to be a book of truth. There can be, uh, Jesus said, unless you believe I am he, you die in I, you'll die in your sins. So there's no compromise with Christianity. There's only one way of salvation. It says there's no other name under the sun in the earth or in the world to come that man might be saved outside of Jesus Christ. So the same, the same word that's written of that is the same word that's vindicated today just by the very existence Israel being called from the nations of the world back to be a nation. It's strange because uh, Michael and I had spoken before the session here about just pulling a few things out of the scripture mm -hmm. that vindicate God's prophetic word. And so he reached in and pulled out Israel. And strangely enough, so did I. There's, uh, here I've got all kinds of, of notes in here that I've also pulled up of other prophecies that God either is fulfilling or has fulfilled already. And God said that that's the proof that he is God. He says, what other God can tell you what the future holds? Right. He says, I can tell you for I hold the future. And so let me read you just a few of the scriptures that I pulled out on this very, very same subject matter. My first one is Isaiah 5, uh, 26. And it says, and he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far and will hiss unto them, Psst, come here, hiss unto them from the ends of the earth and behold, they shall come speedily. And so there's God again calling Israel back. And what is the ensign? It's the star of David that hasn't flown over that mm -hmm. nation for 2,000 years. Lift up that star. Amen. And here's a, right. here's a display that God, who said, I'll do it. He may have waited 2,000 years to do it, but he did it. Yes. But in the meantime, according to the prophetic word again, he had to turn from the Jews to the Gentiles, pull out a Gentile people where he says, I'll call a people for my namesake, right. call out of the Gentiles. So he calls the Gentile people out. And then as he's finishing the work among the Gentiles, he turns his back attention back to the Jews. But before he can give them their blessing, which they don't fully have it yet, before he can give them their blessing, they have to be in the land. Right. And so what God has promised to restore to the Jews is their piece of real estate. That's theirs. Mm -hmm. What God has promised to restore to us Gentiles is the word of God. That's our, that's our inheritance. And so let me read you just a few more on this very same subject matter. In, uh, in uh, chapter 11 in Isaiah, and I got verse 12 here. It's the same thing on the ensign again. Verse 12, and he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Mm -hmm. So there it is. There's God going to raise that star of David and bring back a people right. that had been scattered and dispersed. And when I get over a little further, it'll tell you why he scattered and dispersed them. The next note I have here is in chapter 18 and verse 3. I got written down here on my notes. 
all ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifteth up an ensign on the mountains, when he bloweth the trumpet, hear ye. So the trumpet, of course, we could go into if we have time. We could maybe touch on the seven trumpets of Israel. But nevertheless, God's been blowing a spiritual trumpet that the, the Israelites, Jewish people, do not hear it. But still they're responding to the trumpet call to bring them back to this uh, land of Israel that is promised to them. And I know that many people of the world don't want to think that God promised it to them, but he did. And you just watch what happens. It may look like they're going to lose the land. It may look like another group has promised to drive them into the sea. It will not happen. Prophecy is stronger than politics. And no matter what the politics want to say about what's going to happen through the UN or whatever other power, uh, prophecy is stronger than that. And we're going to watch. The whole thing will make a turn. Another one in Isaiah 44, verse 5 to 8. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, swearing up his hand, I swear, and, sur sur and uh, surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, beside me there is no other God. And who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. So he's saying, you're God, you've got a God that you claim is God. Mm -hmm. Let him show you what the future holds. He says, I'm telling you right here what the future will hold. Right. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from the time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. And now we'll go to another place, just the next page over in chapter uh, 45, I think it still is. Yes, chapter 45, starting at verse 20. Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, you that escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, and it go, goes on. So we see God in his own word describing how we know he's God because he says this is what the future holds and then he brings it to pass. Let me go one more because we're focusing on Israel. Now I'll get back to that now. In Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 16. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. And their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. So now you see Israel in God's eyes when they were rebellious against the things of God. 
Wherefore I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. I scattered them among the heathen and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way and according to their doings. I judged them. And when they entered in among the heathen, whether they went, they profaned my holy name when they said to them, these are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. So it says, uh, all the world should know that the land of Israel was given to the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham on, on Israel's, uh, on Isaac's side. And then yet now here they are dispersed out. They say, oh, well, their God wasn't able to keep them. He fully was, but he's telling them now why he dispersed them. It was a good hard spanking from God, continuing. But I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen where they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen where you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which is profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. So here's God saying, I'm going to draw the Jews, just as Michael read a while ago, from the north, the south, the east, and all the nations around the world, going to draw them back into Israel, that his name may be glorified. But right now there's such contention going on all over there that the worlds can't quite recognize exactly what has happened. In fact, God says, Every nation that troubles themselves with Israel, Jerusalem, the troubling cup, he's going to deal with them. And we'll watch. That's prophetic. But right now we see every nation with their eyes upon Israel, exactly as God said it would be in the last days. For Listen, here comes the prophecy now. For I will take you from among the heathen, gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. So now here's God going to give them a good washing of the water by the word to wash away not only, not only their own past through the blood of Jesus Christ, which they will receive, but, but also washed by the updated word, the New Testament uh, gospels, which they have up to this time rejected because they have been blinded by God. Verse 26, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. What's this? This is to make a heart malleable and turn towards the things of God and away from the things of the world. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So what's this now? All through the Old Testament, this is spoken of as I shall give you a new covenant wherewith I'll write my word mm. upon your hearts and, and that you'll live out my word because not because it's written in a book and you, thou shalt Thou shalt not, but rather God himself will be living in, the, in his children and living his life out through them. A little bit more. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. 
I will call for the corn, increase it, lay no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field, and you shall receive no more the reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings. And we could go on into scripture where it talks about that they'll recognize the Messiah and say to him, where did you get those wounds in your hands? And he says, oh, in the house of my friend. And they shall, says, mourn as if they'd lost their only first begotten son when they find out that there was they who crucified the Messiah. But nevertheless, it was scripture being fulfilled. And for those of you that don't understand, just go back into the book of Genesis and study the story of Joseph, who was also rejected by his brethren. And we find out that in the rejection, Joseph ends up after he is restored to his brethren, as Jesus will be be restored back to his brethren that he says, he says, no, no, don't lament. It was all in the plan of God for salvation. And that's exactly what happened. If the lamb had not been slain, somebody had to slay the lamb. The blood had to be shed. Excuse me, Michael, I took over a lot of the testimony mm -hmm. I wanted to get from you. What more would you want to add to us? I just want to say that being as we was talking about the book being vindicated, it was not what the nations was going to do. They tried to stop it. But it was what God was going to do through Israel and with the nations. And that's what vindicates this to be his word because he's done this. No nation, not Israel. <clears throat> okay, and we find now that, that uh, the scriptures, uh, there's a claim made by Satan himself in scripture that all the kingdoms of the world are his. Right. And so consequently, there's the enemy of the right. word of God. Right. And so now why do we find all the nations coming against Israel? Mm -hmm. Because of the spirit that they're under. Why are the nations turning against Christianity? Why right. are they turning right. against Christianity? Because this is the age where Christianity is going to make, bring forth a manifestation of Christ like has never been known before. So Satan is opposing this. Snuff this thing out. Right. Stop it. Right. Christians that know the Bible know full well there's a persecution coming on the Christians. It started right. in other places, but it won't stop. Right. But yet there will be a rise of a false church that's going to compromise on the Word of God and that's it's right. going to look like, oh, Christianity has become very popular. It will be a false form of that's Christianity. Right. Well, mm -hmm. that form will persecute the true church just as Cain persecuted Abel, the unrighteous persecuting the righteous. That's the way it began in Eden, and that's the way it will end today. Friends, this Bible is true. Get into it. You'll find your salvation, life, and peace right there. Wanted to show you in our search for light, walking in light, and knowing what truth is, I want to recommend this book to you, which is the Exposition of the Seven Church Ages. And it'll show you inside the, the relative light in each age that we're in. We're over here in this very last age. And so I recommend that you get a hold of this book if you want to know where we are in time and what God's doing. This is it. of the Church Age book that Brother Lonnie just mentioned, or to receive a DVD of today's program entitled, The Bible, The Prophetic Word, write to us at Global Answers at 1695 Stewart Road here in Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Friends, remember your comments and questions are very important to us 
So please take the time to send us an email. Our address is info at globalanswers.us. May our Lord Jesus richly